How realistic is Lance Hurd to Tennessee? And if not Lance Hurd, where could Tennessee pivot? What's this offensive line going to look like in 2024? That and more at your Tuesday Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Vols. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every single day. As always, I'm your host, Eric Kane. Thanks so much for being with me. We're going to get into your mailbag questions in segments two and three. Do you want to have a quick conversation, kind of kind of building off what we talked about yesterday about the offensive line? That's what your show looks like here today. Big shout out to FanDuel. Uh, make every moment more with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. All right, guys, if you're watching on YouTube, haven't subscribed to the channel, please, I encourage you to do just that. Wherever you're listening to the show, please uh, subscribe and download those episodes every single day. That's how the show continues to grow. All right, so what I wanted to open up with here today, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. As I mentioned, mailbag show, I don't often live in comments. I don't go searching through YouTube comments because a lot of times there's, you know, 30 or 40 of them, and I thank you guys for that. It continues to kind of help the show grow a little bit, but I don't live in comments because there's a lot of times there's stuff on there that I don't want to see, or it's just a lot of stuff, you know, and I learned a long time ago in radio, you can't live and die by the three. No, that's basketball. You can't live and die by, you know, what somebody says about you or your product or whatever. So it's fine, but I do go through and I read a lot of those YouTube comments and, uh, you know, tweets and stuff like that when I'm preparing a mailbag, you know, to do a show like this. And so when I was doing that, I mean, goodness gracious, I've never seen more comments about me being negative and I'm not going to make the whole show about this. I'm just kind of, I'm going to build off that conversation. Cause I think maybe some kind of misinterpreted what I was saying yesterday. Um, got called a negaval, got called just all these things about how I'm, uh, you know, real housewives, uh, starting drama. I, I, I don't know. It's weird. I had one commenter that said, Hey man, you call a spade a spade. And that's, that's how I respected. And I appreciate that because that is my goal. You know, you might not like what I say. You might love what I say. Um, I'm never going to try to sugarcoat anything. I never try to come out here and be overly negative because when I was growing up, there was a certain sports writer that I read all the time and he was so overly negative. And I remember sitting there, I'm like, why on earth would you go out of your way to be so negative? And I didn't like that. And little did I know then I'd be doing this stuff for a living. So I try not to be overly negative, but sometimes when you call a spade a spade, sometimes that's negative. It just is what it is. I'm never going to sugarcoat anything, but also I do try to look at things positively to why I did a show, a couple of shows last week and you know, one coming up and I'm on vacation about making the case for 10 and two, making the case that Tennessee could be a college football playoff team with the 12 team college football playoffs. Um, there's a lot of things that I'd say that's positive. So again, this show's not about me, 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 but it got me thinking if some of you guys took away that I thought it was, you know, mattress burning sensations about how just distraught the offensive line is for Tennessee. I'm, I'm not really saying that it is in my opinion that Tennessee's offensive line recruiting needs to be better. Now, Tennessee did bring in a nice little class, uh, this past year. There's a lot about this offensive line class that I like. I like Bennett Warren. How quickly can Bennett Warren get to the field? I don't know. You don't know that. I don't know that. How big is the spring for him? It's pretty big. Six foot seven, 330 pounds. He's Tennessee's highest rated offensive lineman in the signing class. 
I do like Bennett Warren, and I think that he, down the line, depending on how he develops and adapts to the college game, I think that he can be a player for Tennessee. Um, there's a lot to like about William Satterwhite in the interior. Maybe he could be the center of the future. There's a lot to like about Max Anderson. Um, I think a, a diamond in the rough, really, my diamond in the rough of this offensive line class, the popular answer would be Gage Ginther, which I think that there's a lot to like about him. I think Jesse Perry, not going to help you next year, might not help you in 2025, but I think Jesse Perry, the in-state product, is a guy that could be a player down the line. I truly do. And then Jeremiah's heard who's going to come in here and he's going to be most likely starting on the offensive line. He's kind of an athlete in terms of just playing the defensive line or offensive line, new to the game of football, basketball player, six foot eight, 295 pounds. I think he could be a, a, a tackle. He's got the feet. He's got the build. He's got the strength. And as he continues to learn the game of football, he could be a really, really good tackle for you. So again, there's a lot that we don't know about. There's a lot of unknowns about this offensive line. But let's think about the last couple of cycles, okay? Francis Mauingoa, Stanton Ramil. There was one other one that is slipping my mind right now. One other one in those offensive tackles that Tennessee swung and missed out on. And you went and got Sham, who was a freshman this past season and who's likely going to be expected to take the biggest step of those young offensive linemen this offseason. And he's got really good frame. He's six foot seven, about 330. Okay. I, I, there, there, again, there's a lot to like there. It's just there's some unknowns there because he's he's so young. Um, but you swung and missed on your top three. And you got Sham, and Sham's a pretty good consolation prize, but we'll see what he can do. Um, think about this, you know, this last cycle. Jordan Seaton, Tennessee was very much in it. Sure, Tennessee got not left at the altar. Tennessee was one of those finalists. But Tennessee wasn't really in it for Jordan, Jordan Seaton until when he came up for either the South Carolina game or A&M game, whether that be early October or late September. Why on earth was Tennessee not in that before? You know what I'm saying? And when you miss out on some of those, those names I mentioned for the 2022 cycle or for the 23 cycle, when you miss on Jordan Seaton and some of these other tackles that you really liked, where's your board? Now, I do think that this class of 2024 showed that the board is broadened a little bit, at least on the offensive line, and that's good. Um, but then you have some guys that we truly don't have a clue about, and they've been on campus for a couple of years. Mo Clipper, Brian Grant, okay? Mo Clipper's all gone. He entered the transfer portal, but you know, Mo Clipper was one of those. Brian Grant, um, Masai Reddick, those guys have been on campus for a couple years. You know, Vice and Lang was in that class of Sham Umarov, along with Aiden Bustle. And Aiden Bustle, I like his body type. He's getting a lot of work at Tack Wangard. But still, there was opportunity for the Addison Nichols who's gone and left the program. There was opportunity for those guys, those guys to step up and, and play a role this year. And you couldn't do it. And you had to slide down Ollie Lane from guard to center. And he did a fine job, and in many ways, he saved what Tennessee season was, especially early on, because of his ability to do that and his his want to just to help the team. So again, it's not all doom and gloom, but when you look at this past weekend, and we look at Lance Hurd, who's still out there at the time of this recording, Tennessee or Oklahoma came into Tennessee very much like the visit, as I mentioned, of Chris Brazel coming in in here for a couple hours, and then was rushed out to try to make another flight. Because again, that dead period started on Monday. Left Tennessee, went to Oklahoma. Was that Oklahoma a little bit longer than it was at Tennessee? 
but we'll see. I mean, there's 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 been some talk, you know, on Monday that you know maybe Tennessee's kind of going in the right. I'm not gonna say trending because trending's kind of code word for it's done, and I wouldn't say that it's done at, at all. But there's been some talk about how Tennessee's in a decent spot. We'll see. Does he take other visits when things open back up next week? Um, that'd be huge for a five star, former five star, top rated prospect in LSU's 2023 cycle. If he were to pick Tennessee out of the transfer portal, that'd be huge because there's a need for Tennessee. Though you bring back your left tackle in John Campbell, your right guard in Javante Sprague, and your center in Cooper Mays. Though you technically bring back your starter at left guard in Andre Kirik. Though you technically bring back Dane Davis and Jackson Lampley, who have started games for you. You know what you have in those guys, but you don't know what you have behind them. Plus, you want some competition there at right tackle and left guard. Lance Hurd comes in here. He's probably going to be a starting tackle, probably a right tackle, and that'd be big. But also, that would mean that you have Dane Davis as, as a backup, and you and you feel really, really good that if one of your tackles goes down, that Dane Davis can step in and play. Because right now, if Dane Davis is your starter, you could have you could have much, much worse starters, in my opinion, than Dane Davis. But if Dane Davis were to go down, who do you got? You know, how's this offseason treating Sham? You better hope it's a good one. So when you miss out on Reed Adams, who it turns out, you know, he he has a little one on the way in the state of Texas, wanted to stay closer towards home. That's why he picked AM. Okay, it makes sense. Why'd you come to Tennessee? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't really make sense. Diego Pounds never made it to Tennessee. So yeah, there can be there can be some frustration leaving the weekend. There can be some disappointment leaving the weekend. And I think that's kind of what I was talking about yesterday. Um on the show yesterday, kind of immediate reactions from the weekend. It, it wasn't good. I mean, it, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't good. And that's kind of where you are. If Tennessee wants to compete for championships, if Tennessee wants to be the team that is a regular in the college football playoffs, it's got to get those elite-type prospects on the offensive line. you got to close the door. got to close the door. And there's been many situations where the door has not been closed. I think Glenn Ellerby's a really good coach. I think Josh Heupel truly believes that he can't do it without Glenn Ellerby. Those two guys are kind of joined at the hip. And I think Glenn Ellerby's a good coach. I do think that he's a good developer of talent. Look at Darnell Wright. Look at some of these other guys who adore playing for Glenn Ellerby. But here is one thing I'm going to leave you with. It is likely that 2024 is going to be the fourth straight season that Tennessee will have a starting offensive line where there is nobody that Glenn Ellerby and Josh Heupel have recruited, signed, developed, homegrown, started. Every starter on the offensive line projected. Okay, things can always change. Every starter on the offensive line, the projected offensive line in 2024, are still those technically Pruitt holdovers or guys you got from the transfer portal. That's got to change. I think we can all agree that has got to change. And sure, the COVID year's thrown a wrench in that, okay? It's it's not normal. It's abnormal. John Campbell's about to play his seventh year in college. That is very abnormal, and I get it. But that stat right there has got to change moving forward. It's got to. So we'll see what happens. I mean, again, Tennessee, I think, is in position with Lance Hurd. Can Tennessee finish? Will that visit over the weekend, that brief visit, be enough? Will he open it back up, and will he go on more visits next week? We'll see. But Tennessee needs a guy like Lance Hurd. If not Lance Hurd, we'll see. You know, Percy Lewis potentially from, I believe, Mississippi State is another name that Tennessee could look into. 
But Tennessee needs to get an offensive lineman for sure. Tennessee has got to get an offensive lineman. Hey, we're going to answer your questions when we return right here on the Mailbag Edition of Locked On Vols. All right, guys, I want to tell you about our friends over at Jace Medical. We come to escape from the same stories of, you know, everyday life, which is it's just crazy. This is kind of your escape, right? But I do want to take just a moment to talk about something that's that, that's really important. According to FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right in the middle of what is considered the worst flu season in over a decade. That's kind of scary, right? Can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if maybe a loved one of mine, a loved one of yours, a spouse, a child, whatever the case may be, was critically sick and couldn't get the help it needed because of supply chain issues. Thankfully, we can be okay with our friends over at Jace Medical. The Jace case is packed with five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinus infections, skin infections, among others. This stuff can happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com to complete your uh, physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at just a fraction of the cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than right now. I encourage you. It's an option for you. It's an option for me. Go to jacemedical.com. Use the promo code locked on to get $20 off your order. That's promo code locked on for $20 off your order at jacemedical.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, I want to welcome you back in here to Locked On Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane. As we do each and every Tuesday, I'm going to open up the mailbag and uh, take some of your questions. So we will start. Some of these guys, some of you guys sent these uh, maybe last week. I didn't do a mailbag show. Next week, I'm not doing a mailbag show because I'm going to be on vacation, but pretty routinely, it's every Tuesday. And a couple of you guys sent these uh, a week ago, and I'm just now getting around to them. This is from Drewski. Here's my next Twitter Tuesday question. Got to get it out of the way while I'm watching Locked On Balls or I'll forget. How many times did we complain about Joe as a six-year not getting the ball out of his hands and taking sacks? And that's the only gripe we have about Nico in his first start as a true freshman. Then what, will, then what will we be able to pick apart about his game as he moves forward and he gets better? From what I saw, the kid could possibly be one of the best to come through here, and that's saying something. I saw Peyton Manning play live here more than once. Had to ask or I would have forgotten. Yeah, I mean, again, Drew, I appreciate the question, man. There is so much to like about Nico. And I know you're not directly comparing him, but I mean, I, I would slow the roll on, on Peyton Manning talk right now. And I know that's not what you're doing. But um, yeah, he could be great. He really can. He was very, again, I keep saying this, and it's okay. It's I'm not meaning this as an insult. Very pedestrian through the air. Why? Well, because Tennessee ran it for 232. Because he was able to take what the defense was giving him, tuck and run, gain 51 yards on nine carries. That's not accounting for the six sacks. He was able to extend plays. He did what he was supposed to do, and Tennessee won 35 to nothing. Tennessee essentially, Tennessee's offense essentially, which is kind of where I had it. Tennessee's offense scored 21 points. They It scored 28 points, but 
one of those touchdowns was set up at the four yard line because of James Pierce. And then the other touchdown was James Pierce. So I kind of had this game 21, 13 or so. So the 21 true offensive points is kind of where I had it against this defense. And I thought Nico did a really, really good job. So yeah, Nico, there were a couple of times he held on the ball a little bit too long. He'll learn that clock will continue to tick the more and more live in game reps he gets. But I'm with you, man. There's a lot to be excited about, a whole lot to be excited about with Nico Iamaliava moving forward. All right, Volunteer77 says, I know it's super early and hard to know what the spring schedule looks like, but is it possible the spring game will be the same weekend of the LSU baseball series? That would be an awesome, uh, amazing trip for this out-of-towner, yada, yada, good stuff. Um, I'm glossing over you talking about wanting to meet me. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe we can uh, you know, all schedule a locked-on balls tailgate. I think that'd be fun. Never really thought about doing that, but I think that could be a whole lot of fun. Uh, let's pull up the baseball schedule real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. Typically, I remember last year, the orange and white game was when Tennessee was out of town in Arkansas. So um, typically it's around April the 10th, between April the 10th and April the 15th. Obviously don't have a schedule yet. Tennessee has a home series against LSU. Yeah, you were kind of talking about that one. LSU Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, April the 12th, 13th, and 14th. I don't know for a fact, but that's typically when the orange Y game is kind of around that time. And that would make a whole lot of sense. And if that is the case, see what basketball is doing. If basketball is still playing at that point in time, I'm surely the championship is, you know, the, the tournament's over by then, but regardless, see what else is going on that weekend. But you could have the orange and white game. You could have a home baseball game that night, maybe softball. There could be a whole lot to be excited about and, yeah, Tennessee will certainly kind of pump that up. That'd be a great environment for locals like me and out-of-towners like you. Let's go to Donnie. Donnie says, I've heard Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South say that a few times on his podcast that the opt-out of Joe Milton was a mutual decision. If not, he was pushed to opt out. Is this just something he is hearing, or, or is this something that definitely happened? Um, Sorry, guys, taking a sip here as I continue to work through some uh, – vocal cord issues. Um, Tennessee was not telling Joe Milton he couldn't play. If Joe Milton wanted to play in this football game, he would have played in this football game and that would have been fine. I think Tennessee was okay with getting Nico some live reps. I think Tennessee was, was excited about seeing what Nico could do against a quality opponent like Iowa defense and kind of kickstarting the 2024 season with this new look offense. Remember, no Jalen Rod, no Jabari Small. You know, there were there were some guys who were missing in action on defense as well. So I wouldn't say that Tennessee encouraged Joe Milton, but I think Tennessee was very much okay with it and was fine with that decision just because, you know, Tennessee was um Tennessee was able to go ahead and get uh get a look at Nico. Let's go to Matthew here. At one point, does hype do something about Ellerby's recruiting? Feels like he constantly whiffs on blue chip talent. His 24-year-old class isn't bad, but isn't a we're closing the gap type class, in my opinion. I know they're boys, but if hype is too loyal, he won't last year long term, in my opinion. We have a two-year window to make the playoffs, and it would be a shame if we waste Nico and or Nico hits the portal due to inconsistency on the offensive line. I agree with all that, man. And again, I'm not saying that LRB has recruited horribly, but so far none of the high school prospects that he's brought to campus have made a start for Tennessee. That does not mean that it won't happen. I mean, sooner or later, it will happen. 
Uh, maybe Sham steps up and he's a starting right tackle this year. I don't know yet. Not, we don't know that right now. But Ellerby got Andre Carrick through the transfer portal, and I wouldn't consider that being a huge win right now. Gerald Mincy was very good for Tennessee. John Campbell was very good for Tennessee. Um, and again, he's developed all of these guys. Look at what Dane Davis has turned into. Look at what Cooper Mays has turned into. Look at what a lot. Look at what Darnell Wright turned into. So again, I'm not trying to just you know poo-poo everything Glenn Ellerby right now. But I'm with you. The in my opinion, we can all have our opinions, and that that is fine. In my opinion. Offensive line recruiting has got to get a little bit better. I do like this 24 class. We talked about it in segment number one. There are a lot of diamonds in the roughs, if you will. And that's okay. Let's see that development. Let's see what they can turn into. Um, I do like Bennett Warren, which is not considered a diamond in the rough. He's a highly rated prospect. He, he was a good get. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, in terms of, you know, Nico, look at what Tennessee has on the offensive line in 2025, which will be Nico's draft year, junior year crickets okay that is what worries me today on january the 9th 2024 okay again already thinking ahead to a season that's not even happened yet offensive line for nico as a junior crickets that's why you've got to bring in some developmental pieces that's why you've got to have some of those young guys really really step up all right got to get a couple more here and then we'll get into some more in segment number three um Adam says, can you think of any justification from the NCAA standpoint uh, to open the transfer portal while the season is still ongoing? Why can they not wait to open and open it until after the college football playoff championship that may prevent some opt out for bowl games? Um, yeah, I mean, it would, in my opinion, you're right, but these players have to be in school when classes start and the college football playoff national championship, it, you know, it, it was played last night, right? So on the eighth. Um, that's not giving you a whole lot of time to go through that process of taking visits and and really taking your time to make a decision. Plus, you know, these players deserve, I believe in the one-time transfer. I do not believe in the multi-year transfer. You know, a lot of you guys may disagree and that's fine. Um, I believe in the one-time transfer. You want to do it right though. Um, you want to make sure you're choosing a school, whatever is on your criteria list, you want to make sure you're choosing a school for those reasons. That being rushed from like, you know, from, from months for a little over a month to 12 days, I don't think would be fair. So that's how I would uh, kind of answer that one. Um, Nathan says, do you see a transfer tight end or David playing a bigger role at tight end? I think you mean Emmanuel, Emmanuel Koye. I'm going to go with that. There's another David Okoye out there, but Emmanuel Okoye. Do you see a transfer tight end or Emmanuel playing a bigger role at tight end? I know they'll play more than one, but who do you see being with the ones come the fall? Obviously, Ethan Davis. Or maybe David, you mean Davis. Maybe. Anyway, Ethan Davis is going to lead the way, and then it's going to be Holden Stays. Um, you know, time, time of this recording, they've only brought in Holden Stays. Maybe that can change, but um, Emmanuel Okoye is not ready, in my opinion. Uh, Cole Harrison, the guy they just signed, is not ready. So it's going to be a whole lot of Ethan Davis and a whole lot of Holden stays here for Tennessee in, uh, in 2024. So, all right. Appreciate all your questions here. We'll continue to get into more of those questions when we return right here on lockdown balls, FanDuel Sportsbook, the NFL regular season. It has come and gone. We got the NFL wildcard weekend coming up this weekend. We got champ divisional play championships. And of course the super bowl 
all that and more over the course of the next five weeks or so, and you can put some coin in your pocket, keep up with all the action, have fun by playing over there with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's it. New customers, 150 in bonus bets guaranteed. All you have to do is place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Live same-game parlays. You can find more bets on the new Explore tab, the Parlay Hub, totals, spreads, prop bets, all that and more, all in the safe, secure, easy-to-use app over there at FanDuel Sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a field goal over at FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got we're coming back in here to segment number three of a Tuesday edition of Lockdown Vols. Glock Vols says, "Hey, give us an LRB hot board. <laughs> I like LRB in this twenty-four class, but dude just can't seem to get it done in recruiting." Yeah, again, we talked a lot about this. Um, I'm not one. This is kind of a rule for me. I'm not one to ever, you know, say lineup replacements. Um, just because. When, when somebody's in a position that they still hold, I think it's disrespectful. Plus, I don't want to burn any bridges. Um, I do not think Lynn Ellerby's on the hot seat. I do not think he's going anywhere. Uh, but I'm not going to play that game. Just, uh, just kind of a rule of thumb for me. Hope you understand. All right, let's go to... Got some questions here on the YouTube channel. Okay, this is from... This is from Tennessee Boy. Do y'all think team speed has anything to do with offensive line recruiting? Think it's possible the big guys don't want to come here and run a run a play every five seconds? There might be something to that. I mean, that that's that's a really good observation. I mean, Tennessee wants to run three plays in about 65 seconds or so. Um, and so conditioning, obviously a big one. But also, if you come here and you buy in to what Tennessee's doing with its tempo. You're going to be in great shape. And we've heard offensive linemen at Tennessee say repeatedly, yeah, by the time the third quarter, fourth quarter rolls around, they're dead. They are dead. And we just bulldoze them. And we have so much fun doing that because we have a whole lot of gas left in the tank. You heard Ronnie Gardner say it about his uh, Tennessee rotation on the defensive line, why he plays so many guys. He says, hey, you know, when that gas tank hits empty, it's hard. You can't really replenish it. You can go over and rest for a couple of plays, but it's hard to come back when that gas tank hits, hits empty. So that's why he plays so many guys on the defensive front. And so, you know, potentially I think there could be something to that. Um, but more than anything, I wouldn't say that that's kind of the deciding factor, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that that might have something to do with it. Uh, let's go to Dylan. Dylan says, with the Nico era just starting, do you think that the staff is going all in on George McIntyre to be the heir apparent at quarterback spot after Nico, or do you think that they feel comfortable with a potential miss and banking on Jared Curtis or another quarterback in the 2026 class. If not GMAC or Jared Curtis, who would they try to pursue? A transfer portal would be an option for sure. Jake Merklinger is going to be on campus, you would assume, at that point in time. But, of course, with the transfer portal, you never know. But in the I can't give you a 2026 answer right now, but 2025 answer, I would assume Madden. You know, Madden, Iamaliava. A lot of people were just saying, like, well, why in Tennessee recruiting Madden? Why in Tennessee recruiting Madden? Well, before last football season, this past fall, he had never really played. Um, this is his first, I mean, he'd always been on the team, but he never really played. In his first year as a starting quarterback, it, I guess he's 
at Long Beach Poly where, where Nico played. He was really good. And it's kind of fun being around Nico the last couple of years throughout the recruiting process and seeing where he is now. You've seen Madden on those trips, and Madden has shot up, man. He's he's grown. He looks like a Power 5 quarterback. So Madden's going to play Power 5 football somewhere. I would assume. I think Tennessee's in a good spot for GMAC. I do. If Tennessee were to miss out on GMAC, I think Tennessee would pivot to Madden Yamaliava, the younger brother of Nico in the class of 2025. Um, Let's go to Breeze. Do you think Ethan Davis having a role? Do you think we will see Ethan Davis have a role we've not seen yet in the high pull offense? I could see him being way more versatile than the past tight ends, something similar to a big slot like Brock Bowers was at Georgia. So I'm not going to lie to you. When, when I read this earlier, this question, I immediately, in my mind, I was like, what do you mean more versatile? What do you mean a different type of role? Because as I say all the time, and I write about it all the time at VolQuest.com, the tight end position, you do everything in this offense. You line up hand in the dirt, H-back, in line, slot, skinny slot, out wide. But then I read it again, and I see what you're saying, like Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers is a tight end, but Brock Bowers is a skilled route runner. Brock Bowers is a guy that they'll line up in the slot and out wide and, and kind of all over the place. And because of the background of Ethan Davis at Collins Hill in Suwannee, Georgia, he pretty much played wide receiver. Um, he's going to play tight end here, and I think this is why his freshman year, though we didn't get to see him play a lot, and it's it's unfortunate because I think that in blowout situations, we could have saw him play a little bit more. But it was a critical year for him to sit back and watch and learn and rep how to block your techniques, you know, playing H-back, stuff he's never done before. And so now that he kind of has that in his tool belt and he'll continue to grow in that aspect, he's always been a route runner. He's always been kind of a wide receiver. So, yeah, I mean, potentially, to answer your question, um, he's unique, man, and his background is wide receiver, essentially. So maybe, maybe we'll see that. Ethan Davis is a stud. I can't wait to watch him play. Um, Let's go to... Mixer 351. It took Milton getting hurt for Hendon to show out. It took Cedric getting hurt for Hyatt to show out. Do you think Chaz Nimrod might be the next guy considering he hardly got touches until Brew got hurt and has been a solid receiver since then? It's a good question, man. Um, Again, I was high on the receiver room going into last year. I was wrong. The receiver room was not, was not explosive. It, it took a it took a considerable step back as we went over in our power rankings last week. I like Chaz Nimrod. I do. Will he ever be as explosive as Jalen Hyatt? No. Will he ever be as dominant in terms of just going up big boy and a defensive back and making a catch as a Cedric Tillman? No. Will he ever be as physical as Brew McCoy? No. But could he be all around a pretty solid wide receiver? Yeah. But my question to you is, Bruise back. Chris Brazel, you would assume, is going to be on one side. Squirrels in the slot. Still have Dante Thornton. And then you have Chaz Nimrod. Or would, would Chaz Nimrod get a look before Dante Thornton? I don't know. We saw more wide receivers play last year because of injury. Because you lost Brew McCoy. Because you lost Dante Thornton. Um, because you moved Dante Thornton out of the slot. We saw more wide receivers play last year due to injuries. When everything's humming... Tennessee plays three wide receivers. So that's kind of a negative draw, if you will, um, about Tennessee. But I like Chaz and Imrod. I hope Chaz and Imrod plays. But on the same wavelength here, Rue McCoy is going to play. Chris Brazel is going to play. And 
I want to see that Dante Thornton that ended last year, not the one that started last year. I want to see the one that ended last year because I'm not ready to give up on Dante Thornton. I think there's a lot of ability there. Um, Connor wants to say it's not really a question, just talking about the Neyland Entertainment District. Um, just cool to talk about this offseason in regards to recruiting game atmosphere. Yeah, I want to do some more research on it. I know when the plans kind of came out and they made that announcement and all that, you know, we talked about it, but haven't really done an update on that and kind of see kind of where they are. That'd be awesome. Hotel, bar tops, restaurant shops, be like the Battery Atlanta would be huge in terms of just an everyday atmosphere, but also on game day would just be massive. Um, okay, let's see here. Would anyone be singing Joe Milton's praises if he had put up the exact same numbers against Iowa that Nico did? Honestly, that game made me think of Texas A&M game. Joe got slammed for winning that one. A little bit different. Um, I hear you. To answer your initial question, if Joe Milton scored four total touchdowns and Tennessee won 35 nothing, yeah, I, I would imagine that Joe would get a lot of praise. Now, would he have gotten as much praise as Nico? No, because Nico is the chosen one. Nico's the heir apparent. Nico, number one overall player in the country, five-star. So no, no, he wouldn't have got as much praise as Nico because he's not Nico. But if he scored four total touchdowns, then yeah, he would have gotten some praise. The difference here is, sure, Nico didn't do a whole lot through the air, but his completion percentage, I want to say, was high 60s. I have to go back and look. Joe Milton completed 50% of his passes. Joe Milton did nothing on the ground. Nico ran for three three touchdowns. I think there's a little bit difference here uh, in, in those two games. And, and Tennessee didn't win the game just because of defense and just because of special teams. Now, they got help in the bowl game, but if not for the defense and not for that special teams touchdown, Tennessee would not have won Texas A&M. Last question. It is going to go to user MW6W8, whatever, whatever, whatever. All right. I don't want to put too much pressure on Nico. He's only played one game, and yes, the dude is a great He did a great job, but isn't it early to talk Heisman? national championship our future is bright but we have um we have some huge holes on the offensive line need more consistent secondary play etc go big orange yes that's the voice of reason um yes i know i did a show talking about the path to 10 wins i, I did a show talking about college football playoffs because i think it's very attainable to get in the college football playoff you got to be a top 12 team you know and so i think tennessee can do that but yes poster you are the voice of reason be excited Get hyped up. Don't anoint Nico the Heisman Trophy before he starts a season opener. Um, remember when Spencer Rattler was anointed the uh, the Heisman Trophy in 2021? He lost his job and transferred. I'm not saying that's going to be Nico, but let's not, as my mother would say, let's not count our chickens before the eggs hatch, right? Um, national Championship, I hear you. Voice of reason. Keep things in perspective, but also be excited. Because though there are, as we talked about yesterday, and as we talked about in segment number one, Though there are deficiencies, a lot of inexperience in the secondary, a lot of inexperience behind your returners on the offensive line, a whole right tackle, a whole left guard. Though there's question marks, there's still so much to be excited about, in my opinion. And uh, that's kind of how I want to end this show. Guys, thank you as always. Thank you so much for tuning in, sending in questions. Really, really do appreciate you guys. We'll come back tomorrow with Ward Wednesday and a whole lot more. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody.